So welcome back to Torah Psych 101, where if you love Torah and psychology, this is the place for you. I am your host, Dr. Jonathan Lassen, and we will begin. So this week's Parsha, we have Parsha's Noach, which comes right after the first Parsha in the Torah, which we laned last week, Parsha's Beratius, the start of a new world. So I want you to consider the following experiment. This is an experiment that was conducted by Dutch psychologists back in 2005. Anytime we do like these experiments or talk about these experiments, they're usually done on the, uh, you know, the usual subjects, which are these innocent undergrad psychology students. So in this experiment, the researchers had participants sit in a cubicle, and they were to fill out a survey. This is a typical psychological ploy. And hidden somewhere in the room, there was a bucket of water with a citrus-scented cleaning agent. And after completing the survey, the participants were given some crumbly cookies for, as a, you know, kind of like a reward for filling out the survey. And the researchers covertly filmed the reactions and found that the participants that were in the room that were filled with the cleaning agent scent were three times more likely to clear the desk of the crumbly mess that they made as opposed to the comparison group that were not subconsciously exposed to this cleaning agent. And researchers concluded that our brains are primed by their environment to act in a certain way. So either you're going to do the right thing and clean up your mess, or if you're in a place where you perceive the place being messy to begin with, you're just going to leave it a mess. And this happens all the time. You go to a messy hotel, you kind of dump garbage all over the place. And if you go to a classy hotel, you kind of keep it neat. So from a neurophysiological perspective, what's happening is the ventral pallidum becomes activated when it's primed by its environmental stimulus. And this is the part of the brain which is located right below, which uh, people, neuropsychologists call the reptilian brain which is far below the conscious areas of the brain. So why am I talking about this psychological experiment? So I'm bringing this priming experiment, because this is what we call priming, because uh, the participants were primed by the citrus-flavored or smelling agent that was in the room in order to exercise cleanup duties after they finished that questionnaire. So I bring this priming experiment to help explain a more global priming phenomena that we learned from this week's Parsha, where Hashem is about to destroy the world that he just created. So last week when we began reading the first portion of the Torah, which is Parsha's Bracious, the Parsha begins by Hashem creating man, and in this week's Parsha, Hashem already wants to destroy all mankind and go into a rebuild phase, kind of like the Baltimore Orioles. And the Pasuk says, Kate's call basar balafanai kimola arts chomas mitnehem v'hini mashchisem asarts. So Hashem says to Noah that the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with robbery through them, and behold, I am about to destroy them from the earth. Kind of radical. This is a kind of radical shift from one Parsha to another, because last week's Parsha we were just created, and now he wants to destroy all of us. So even though we know it happened over many decades, the question still remains, what was so terrible that caused the destruction? So we all know that we're told that the people engaged in immorality and thievery. And 
if you think about it, this isn't something new to Jewish people. This has happened in every generations where Jewish people have sinned and acted in these ways by committing acts of immorality and uh, theft. So why does Hashem not destroy people in every generation where these two sins are becoming rampant? So what I believe is happening is that the, the uh, Jews were engaging in what we call subconscious sinning. And this was especially true in the area of stealing. And they rationalized. And the Medrash tells us that the thieves would actually band together and steal small amounts from people that the courts wouldn't make them stand trial. So this is like we have in nowadays courts where it's a petty theft, a theft under a certain amount, like say $300. They don't really consider that too much of a crime. However, what they would do is they would engage in this type of behavior on such a regular basis that it became common that people would just take a few items and continue on their way and people wouldn't pay any attention to it. And with regards to immorality, they rationalized that all of their behaviors were consensual. So what's, what's the big deal? So what happens is when a nation begins to rationalize their way through any type of illicit behavior to the point that it becomes somewhat of a subconscious event, then that's the time when Hashem says, nah, 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 we're going to take some action here. So Hashem presses the reset button. And this set a precedent for future generations to listen to what Hashem was saying, or you're going to face the consequences. So theft and immorality became a conscious act, and therefore the punishments could be given to the individuals committing these sins and not to the masses. And that's why Hashem had to take some bold action, such as deciding to destroy the world. So, to illustrate another psychological concept, let's consider the raven. So, the raven, which in Hebrew is the orev, is sent out by Noah to scout out the land and figure out what's going on. And the Mepharshim ask about the necessity of sending out the dove, who was sent out as well. Why do you need to send out the dove and the raven? We're not going to get too much into that. But the Orochaim does suggest that the dove was sent out on a mission to scout out the land, whereas the raven was actually banished from the Teva, from the Ark, because of his poor behavior on the Teva, as we're going to discuss soon. So therefore, Noah sending out the raven, and the raven keeps, he sends it out, and he, the raven keeps on circling around the Teva, not really getting too far. And uh, when he was sent out, before he was sent out, actually the raven put up a fight, and he questions Noah's motivation and says, you only want to send me away so that you could be with my mate. Now, coming from a raven, that really sounds pretty ridiculous at first glance. But when there's so much immorality going on around you, it's easy to assume that everybody else is just as immoral as you. So the raven was one of the three that didn't heed the word of Hashem like we talked about before. And Hashem told them that there was no mating on the teva. You know, guys got to hold hold back. And uh, that, that was what was told to them. And the others that committed this violation of mating on the Teva were the dog and Chum ben Noach, Chum, the son of Noach. And since the raven engaged in a relationship that was not sanctioned by Hashem, um, he was assuming that everybody else, including the righteous Noach, was just as immoral as himself. And perhaps this is also why Noach didn't extend his hand to welcome the raven back, because as we said before, the raven was more or less banished from the Teva, whereas the Yonah, the dove, 
was not banished. He was sent on the mission. And we see this from the Pasuk where it says, Vayishlach yodo vayikacheho, that Noah reaches out his hand and he takes back the Yonah, the dove. So Noah lovingly welcomes the dove back into the table, but he doesn't do the same thing for the raven. So there are two glaring lessons that we can glean from this Parsha in how human behavior is really reflective of the social environment in which we surround ourselves, meaning we can go into a really bad neighborhood and be influenced by that bad neighborhood. You can go to a school where it has some sort of reputation, and then we can be influenced by that reputation. So one lesson here is obvious. Be careful with whom you surround yourself. Don't live among people who can't see the good in other people because they themselves are surrounded by immoral and unethical people, and then you might get, you might get sucked up in that type of behavior as well. So when you surround yourself with immoral behavior and uh, immoral people, you're likely to engage in what I said before as unconscious sinning. And secondly, don't rationalize your behavior as being the new normal. Unfortunately, it's really heartbreaking to see that society today is so replete with people that have decided that disgraceful behavior is completely normal. And unfortunately, society has glorified these behaviors as the new normal. And as Hashem destroys the world with a calamity involving water, such as the Great Mabel, the Great Flood, we should never accept a watered-down version of the Torah, which is the basis of how we should lead our lives. Have a wonderful Shabbos.